The Chris Hahn Show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome. This is the Chris Hahn Show. I'm your host, Chris Hahn. The truth is on the air. And truthfully, tonight, America, another week of madness, another week of norms being thrown out the window, another chip into the fact that we are a nation of law and order in this country. Another shot at the Constitution by the President of the United States, one Donald J. Trump. America, this is serious business. This is stuff that is keeping me awake at night. And I am not just saying that. I have lost sleep thinking about the fate of this country. This president um, clearly does not care about the rule of law. He clearly does not care about law and order. He does not care about our Constitution. He does not care about political norms. This president has no shame, America. No shame at all. He cares about one thing and one thing only. Whatever it is that he wants us to know, he wants us to know it in his way only. He wants to denigrate the FBI, the Department of Justice, the courts, the press, and anyone who opposes him. And unfortunately, there's far too many Americans who are just not in their head. I call them chicken heads. I don't know if it's fair to call them chicken head Republicans, Mike, but uh, they are chicken heads. Yeah, I know. I know it's also got another name from back in the 80s. I like it. I like it. They're chicken heads. They're nodding their head up and down. Now, they may or may not be sitting over Donald Trump when they do it. But they are nodding their head up and down. Yes, sir. How can I do it, sir? I mean, and they're also the ones that are in Congress are afraid to take him on as he challenges every norm this country has ever known. Let's talk about the one he broke today. On what planet it is appropriate, is it appropriate? For somebody who is subject of a criminal investigation to send their lawyer to a classified briefing with Congress. And on what planet does somebody accused of a crime or a subject of an investigation, and believe me, America, he is the subject of an investigation in a very bad way. Where do they get off saying, I demand answers? He is saying to the American people, fraudulently, I might add, that the FBI placed a spy in his campaign in 2016 and that they did it on the order of Democrats in the Barack Obama government. Now, America, let's unpack that for a minute, okay? And, and by the way, if you want to get on, the, on this action, you want to get part of this national conversation, give me a call, 631-451-1039. 631-451-1039. I am live tonight, and I will be taking your calls. Later on tonight, I got Amy Holmes joining me. You know Amy. Uh, she's the host of In Principle on PBS. You see her on the tick, and you see her in a whole bunch of other things. Amy Holmes will be joining me tonight at uh, 9 o'clock. 
The president has been claiming that on the orders of political people in the Barack Obama government, or maybe just James Comey, the FBI planted a spy in his campaign. Now, America had the president of the United States had a spy in his campaign. Don't you think we would have known about it? Don't you think if they produce if there, if there was a spy on his campaign for political reasons, don't you think that they would have used the information against this guy? I mean, it's a um, it's amazing to me that he thinks we're that stupid. He thinks we're so stupid that we ourselves would, you know, that that sorry that that the the FBI itself would put the spy there to gather information to use against him, and then they wouldn't use it. It would just come out after the campaign. Makes no sense to me. Maybe it makes sense to you. 631-451-1039. Let me go to Mike in Brooklyn. Mike in Brooklyn, you're on the air. Chris Hahn, Mike Tobin, how are you? I love you, brother. What's up? Good to hear from you, and I, 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 I felt compelled to call in. You were chatting about a subject I care deeply about, which is this uh, Rule of controversy <laughs> around, uh, <laughs> around the president's uh, uh, derision and attacks on professional law enforcement at the FBI. You guys still talking about that? I am. What's on your mind? You know, I, and I, I've said this on air, and you and I have talked about this, that, that can you imagine what would have happened with the Anthony Weiner, Huma Abedin Aye. laptop scandal that uh, if Comey didn't do what he did right. and Hillary Clinton won, right. there would have been blood in the halls of the Capitol. Blood in the streets. Right? Mike, forget the blood the whole, in the streets. Yeah. The Ooh. FBI did the right thing then. They're doing the right thing now. Attacking professional law enforcement, I think, is a bridge too far. But I guess we'll see in the midterms and two years from now whether that motivates the base. I got to tell you, Mike. By the way, full disclosure, I know Mike Tobin. And that's why I was able to say Mike from Brooklyn. I couldn't believe it when I saw your name light up on my board. I'm like, Mike Tobin? I turned to my wife and I said, should I call in? She (laughs) said, go ahead. I love your wife. How's she doing? She's great. You say hi, and you give her and you give Hale Bop a kiss for me, okay? I promise I will. Um, I always always love hearing what's going on. But here's the thing, Mike, and and maybe you Mm -hmm. could help me out here. I mean, how stupid do we have to be? How stupid are Americans to believe that the FBI would gather all this information to harm Donald Trump and then never use it? You know, I think, again, and I really believe it's inappropriate to attack the FBI, but there is a history of of abuses there under the Hoover in the Hoover years dating back decades right and gathering dirt on presidents and I think for some people who believe in the deep state and believe that that there are Obama holdovers that are somehow undermining this president that there's something to tap into there's a sense of you know what their good behavior their years of good behavior still don't outnumber their years of bad behavior so maybe they're trying to tap into something I don't see it I don't like it but. Yeah, I, I, I get the narrative. I just don't agree with it. Mike, it's I, ba- I'm with it's, you on that. It's bad news, and I really do appreciate you calling in, my man. You bet. Take stay care. Out, stay out of trouble. Stay out of trouble. No. 631-451-1039 is my number. That's Mike Tobin, who I know very well, and I can't believe he called in. Yeah, he was like, uh, I used to work with Chris on the shoes and back in the shoes. Uh, yeah, all right, like, guys. Can we go back further than that? We went to college together. Uh, 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. But, I mean... I, I got to tell you, it, it's it's it seems like every day this president attacks the rule of law 
and societal norms. And I, I am starting to believe America that, that it might, it might work. I'm starting to think that he's winning on this. And that is what's keeping me awake at night. That the president is breaking down our resistance to his attacks on institutions that matter in this country. The press matters, America. You might not always agree with what you read in the New York Times. But take the editorial pages out of your vocabulary for a minute. The news in that paper is real. It is checked. There are standards. Same thing with most major networks. But now we've become a nation where people just choose what they want to hear and when they want to hear it. And the president is playing on that. Now, I know every poll I've seen shows that this president never gets above 42% in popularity and is always above 50% in disapproval. That means a lot of people don't like what he's doing. And I know that every poll I see show about 60% support for continuing the Mueller investigation. That's good. But we have a Congress today, America, that has abdicated their responsibility. I look at what happened today with this briefing on the evidence concerning the informant that brushed up against Carter Page and Papadopoulos and maybe even Mike Flynn during the 2016 campaign. They were following leads, America. The FBI was following a lead. They were following a lead that this man, Carter Page, was an agent, maybe unwittingly, but he was an agent of the Russian government, of the GRU. And they followed him to the Trump administration, to the Trump campaign. Now, I'm waiting for the moment where we find out that the Trump campaign was warned about this. And quite frankly, if they weren't warned about it, that was a mistake on the part of the FBI. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. I've got Amy Holmes joining me a little later on tonight. You know, Amy, she's always a tough battle for me. She's a, um, she's a, she's a witty one, and she likes to try to take over. You know what I'm saying, Mike? Sometimes you just got to let her, you know. I got to roll with it. I, you know, it's funny. I watched The Tick. I don't know if you watched The Tick on Amazon. Amy is on The Tick. Yes, I know we've talked about this before. And uh, she yet. plays a newswoman on The Tick. Uh, that's not her main job. Far She's stretch. a pundit like me. Uh, and uh, and uh, she does a good job. She's a pretty good job. I mean, it's, I, Hey, try, sign me up for that. You I know? Mean, I'd love to do something like that. It's kind of hard know? to like look at her and, and think of her as, I'm like, oh, there's Amy. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, there's Amy it. Holmes, yeah. my buddy, my, my debate partner exactly. from Fox. Uh, but uh, And by the way, I won't be on Fox on Saturday night because it's Where Memorial Day weekend, man. Just, I got too much to do. Relaxing. Barbecuing, you know, plan. soccer tournaments, the whole thing. But I will be on on Tuesday night at 10 o'clock, in the 10 o'clock hour on Laura Ingram. Actually, sorry, I'll be on on Friday tomorrow right, in the 8 o'clock hour All right. on Tucker. Tucker. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't know what I'll be debating him. He'll probably say, oh, what about the spy that was in there? Like, I'll be like, Tucker, wasn't a spy. <laughs> It was an FBI informant. And oh, by the way, the guy worked for every Republican campaign since Eisenhower. Like, this is not some guy who's some liberal that kind of like your guy. It was your guy (laughs) who, you know, decided to be a patriot and help the FBI out. And I don't think, by the way, I don't think the FBI assumed that Trump was in cahoots with them. I think the FBI assumed that they were trying to infiltrate the Trump campaign and they wanted to know why. 
because that's what they do. So let's not assume it was nefarious. And quite frankly, if it was nefarious, we would have heard about it before the election. We didn't. We did hear about, you know, as my friend Mike brought up, we heard about the Hillary thing. We heard about the Hillary thing 11 days before the election. When the FBI found new emails on Anthony Weiner's hard drive, I don't like saying Anthony Weiner's hard drive. That's a little, you know, Anthony Weiner's hard drive. Uh, we found these new emails on Anthony Weiner's hard drive. We found out about it. He told the public because he was worried about what the reaction would be. Now, I, for one, would have liked to have known that the FBI had opened up an investigation into Donald Trump because of his involvement with Russia. But I think that they, and and by the way, Jim Comey basically said this in his book. I'm reading his book now. I got it for free. Janet Johnson sent it to me. (laughs) So so I didn't have to buy it, even though I met him two weeks ago. Pass it on down when you're done. I will, I will. Uh, I met him. uh, And by the way, hard not to like him. Hard not to like Jim Comey. Uh, Very sincere. Believes, you know, you might not like the decisions he made. But you have to feel that the guy made did the best he could and he wasn't he wasn't trying to hurt. He was trying to, to it was a bad situation and he tried he made the best uh, decision he could. There you go. And and that's really I mean, I don't like the decision. I don't like it at all. I would have stayed mm-hmm. I would have said, Hey, look, it's eleven days before the election. We can't get involved now. That's why he made the original announcement in July. Eleven days before the election. Can't get involved now. Hard, hard, hard. Hard for him to have just made that choice. But he made the choice. And I do not subscribe ulterior motives to him for it. I don't like the choice. I've said this publicly. I've said this on this show. I've said it on TV. Um, I said it on PBS this week. But I, I do think that the man was trying to do the right thing. But... He said in his book, which contradicts this a little bit, Donald Trump was making such a big deal about how this was a rigged election, a rigged election. He said it over and over and over and over again during the 2016 campaign that it made it impossible for Jim Comey to say anything about the Russian involvement in his campaign. First of all, they weren't really sure. They were just starting the investigation at that point. There was FISA warrants against people who were associated with the campaign prior to them even to, going back to 2015. So there are reasons for them to have been concerned, but they didn't know of any real reason that the campaign was knowingly involved with this. So it would have been very improper for him to bring it up, but I think it was improper for him to reopen the Clinton campaign 11 days, Clinton campaign investigation, the Clinton email investigation 11 days before the election. Just like it was incredibly improper for the president to order the Department of Justice to allow inspection of classified documents to Devin Nunez, who, by the way, is supposed to be recused from this matter. This is a Russia matter. And Trey Gowdy. And by the way, we haven't heard from Trey Gowdy and Devin Nunez today. You know why? I got a feeling that Trey Gowdy is done playing. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll prove me wrong today. He'll put a statement out saying that, oh my God, the FBI spied on the Trump campaign. But so far, it's, you know, it's 830 on the East Coast. And I have not seen anything like that. 
I think that Trey Growdy being there, now the Democrats got to be there too. The Gang of Eight got to be there. Or they had a separate briefing. So, you know, Adam Schiff came out and said that there was nothing inappropriate about what was done. There was no intent to influence the election. They were following uh, proper procedure and proper guidelines, and they had the proper judicial review, and that's important. But I think that if Devin Nunez had went there by himself, he would have came out and said, oh my God, James Comey put a spy on Donald Trump's campaign. But I don't think Trey Gowdy's playing that, and I'm sure that Mitch McConnell's not playing that. And I'm sure that the Senate Intelligence Chair is not saying that, nor is the ranking member. And I think Trey Gowdy might be the check on Devin Nunez right now. Trey Gowdy's only got another couple of months in Congress, and then he's done. He's decided not to run for re-election, so he can tell the truth. Let's hope he does. Let's hope he tells the truth, America. Let's hope he holds these guys accountable. We've got to start holding the president accountable, though, America. The Congress has to, has to live by what it was made to do. It's responsibility under Article 1 of the United States Constitution to put a proper check on unbridled power of the executive. Ambition must counteract ambition. The only one who's got ambition in this country right now is Donald J. Trump president. And he, America, is driving the debate. He's driving the debate. He's winning the argument. He's pushing the envelope. It's not good. It's not good, and I don't know where it ends. I, I, am, I am up at night thinking about it. Worried that the rule of law is in jeopardy in this country. Worried that the press is in jeopardy in this country. Worried that the First Amendment to our United States Constitution is in jeopardy in this country. And where are the conservatives who would always fight for these amendments? Is the Second Amendment the only amendment they care about these days? Is the only right that they care about is the right to life? Where are they? Where is their courage, America? Where is their backbone to stand up to this president? Where does it end? I I think most of the country's numb to this by now. They're numb to it. It's so mind-numbing. I do this for a living, and I am numb to it. Every day, it's another norm violated. Every single day. Where does it end? I mean, what does he have to do? I mean, does he literally have to go out in front of the White House and shoot somebody for the Congress to say, oh, Mr. President, no, you shouldn't have done that. I mean, this is a president who said there were good people, good people in the white supremacist movement marching in Charleston. Fine, very fine people. That's amazing to me. And Congress said nothing. Yeah, a couple people chirped up. There should have been a censure. There should have been a censure. Could you imagine if there was a riot in the streets of, let's say, I don't know, radical Islamists? And Obama said, oh, there were some good people in the crowd. What do you think would have happened? 
Do you think the Democrats, even would have, if they were in control of Congress, would have stood up for him? I doubt it. Never would have happened. But here we are. They've got a one-vote majority in the Senate, a small 25-vote majority in the House, and there is absolutely nobody standing up to this guy. Nobody. Now, maybe that changes at the end of June when the primary season's over. And these guys got attacked to the center because the wave is coming, America. The wave is absolutely coming. All right, when I get back on the other side of the break, I'll take your calls at 631-451-1039. 631-451-1039. I'm going to talk about the NFL decision. I'm going to talk about NOCO, North Korea. You're listening to The Chris Hodge Show. Keep it where it's at. I'll be right back. Everything else you heard today, and listen up. The Chris Hahn Show is on the air. All right, I'm back. I'm live again. 631-451-1039 is my number. If you want to be part of the national conversation tonight, 631-451-1039 is my number. Don't forget to catch me this uh, tomorrow night, Friday night, uh, 8 o'clock hour on uh, the Tucker Carlson program on Fox News. And I'll be on uh, Laura Ingram on Monday, no, Tuesday at 10 p.m. Check me out there. No uh, no Judge Janine this weekend, America. It's Memorial Day. I've got soccer tournaments and barbecues and all sorts of other things to do, as I'm sure you do too. But I'll be back there next Saturday night uh, in my regular 9 o'clock slot. Uh, and a little later on today, I've got Amy Holmes. You know Amy Holmes. She has uh, been on the show many times before. She uh, spars with me on TV. She's very smart, very talented. She comes from the right. We both worked in the U.S. Senate, though, at uh, pretty much the same time. So we have very similar understandings of how government should work and social norms. So while I know she'll try to hijack the program, which is what Amy does, which is why I like, you know, it makes my job a little easy and a little hard. That sounds like someone I know. Yeah, <laughs> makes it a little easy, a little hard, uh, but uh, but she will uh, she'll be on and uh, we'll talk and I'll try to get her to talk social norms. She wants to talk about religion to me tonight. She wants to talk about religion. Religion. She wants to probe into my uh, my faith. I think that's the whole thing. We've had this conversation off the air. Her okay. I. So yeah. Uh, yeah. And she's like, oh, let's talk about religion. I'm like, mm, ah, come on. I don't know. I don't want to <laughs> piss my mom off. Okay. There you it's, go. Just, exactly. it's, just, it's just something I don't want to do. But it's number one about everything. Don't piss the mom off. Exactly. <laughs> right. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. I'm live. I'm taking your calls on a Thursday right before Memorial Day weekend. Uh, pick up the phone and give me a call. 631-451-1039. If you listen to one of the replays, sorry. Uh just listen. It's a good show anyway. You're going to enjoy it. 631-451-1039. You can also tweet me at Christopher Hahn if you're catching the replays, and I'll, uh, I'll tweet back to you. That's the way I am, uh, generally speaking. All right, let's change topics a little bit, okay? Let's talk about this NFL decision to uh, find teams if any player on their team takes a knee during the National Anthem. And I think we've got to break this down into a couple of parts, okay? One... Should they even play the national anthem at sporting events anymore? We're not. I mean, I guess we are at war, and I get it. Matters. But every single game, national, I mean, opening day, I get it. Play national anthem. Everybody, you know, let's talk about it. We all believe in America. But I, I, you know, 
the NFL does this whole false patriotism thing. Let's face it. Look, guys, I want to be very clear right now. I love the NFL. I love it. I love everything about it. I love watching games. I watch tons of games. I play fantasy football. I talk about football. I go to games. I played football in college. I have been to a Super Bowl. I mean, I love it. I've met many NFL players in my lifetime. I almost, I tried out for an NFL team when I was a kicker. I didn't make it, but I, I love the NFL, okay? I love it. I love everything about it. I mean, I don't like the concussions and the abuse of the athletes. I don't love that part about it. But I like the game. I even like the fact that they sing the anthem and they get great singers to come out and sing it. I like the fact that they bring the military planes in and you get this thing. But let's be clear, America, the NFL is a business. It is a show business. I mean, I'm going to see Solo tonight, right after the show. And, uh... They're not going to play the national anthem before that, right? Um, when I go home uh, on normal nights and I go and I watch a little TV, they don't play the national anthem before that entertainment. The NFL is entertainment, and it is a business. And the players, that's their job. They are going to work. I don't know how many of you, I mean, if, unless you're in the military or you're a school teacher where you say the pledge every day, we don't go to work and have to listen to the national anthem. So there's the question right now, should there even be the national anthem at football games? I mean, if you stopped having the anthem, you wouldn't have the protests. Maybe say, God, sing God bless America before the game. Something patriotic like that if you want to show your love for country. So there's that question. The next question is, why is everybody so offended by this? Not everybody. But why are some people so offended by mainly African-American players taking a knee during the anthem? Now, I mean, as protests go, that's kind of mild. And they are not protesting the flag they are not protesting servicemen and women. They are not protesting anything but the treatment of African Americans in this country. And if you think they've been treated fairly, you are wrong. Absolutely wrong. That's what it's about, America. It's not some deep, dark protest against anything but that. It's kind of tame. They're taking a knee in solemn respect and in solemn protest. So the NFL, under great pressure by President Trump, and again, this is another President Trump special, America, changing the subject so that you don't have to. The president, the, the NFL's new policy is that the NFL players that don't want to stand for the flag should stay in the locker room. If they kneel, there'll be a $15,000 fine per team. Now, America... Some of the teams in the NFL have spoken up and said, hey, none of my players are ever going to pay that fine, and if my players want to take a knee, that's up to them. Because this is America, and if you're going to make them listen to a patriotic song before they go to work, 
They should have the right to protest it. Freedom of speech. What do you think? 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. If you want to be part of the national conversation, pick up the phone and give us a call. 631-451-1039 is the number. I, I for one, think that the NFL is making a big mistake. I think it's going to lead to uh, to lawsuits from some of the teams that get fined. I believe it might lead to some lawsuits from the ACLU. I mean, you got a guy, Colin Kaepernick, who had to sit out an entire year of his career. And believe me, guys, you don't get that long in the NFL, okay? You're, you do not get that long to be an NFL football player. Colin Kaepernick had to sit out an entire year of his career over this. Team dropped him, and no team would pick him up. Now, look. I'm not saying San Francisco was wrong for dropping him. But Colin Kaepernick was good enough to not only be a a backup quarterback in the NFL, he probably would have started for a few teams last year. Now he's out an entire year. What does that do to his body? What does that do to his career? What does that do to his... his, his, It could be done, right? Could be done. Why? Because he chose a silent protest, taking a knee. He didn't run out onto the field and, you know, uh, grab the microphone from the person singing the national anthem. He didn't do that. He took a knee. He took a knee. And, of course, the president and vice president, Mike Pence, bootlicker-in-chief, uh, you know, bootlicker-in-chief gets uh, gets pulled away from a California trip. Abruptly, uh, uh, Mike, I want you to go to Indianapolis. I want you to go to a football game. And if anybody kneels, I want you to walk out. Of course, they knew people were going to kneel. It was in the middle of the controversy. But the NFL capitulated today. They capitulated to this. And that's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. It's again, you know, like we're talking about societal norms and our rights and our freedoms in this country. The First Amendment is a pretty big one. Now, I look, I've said this before, and I will say it again. I always stand for the anthem. But I thank God. I thank God every single day I live in a country where you could take a knee if you want to. And I hope that every NFL team says to its players, if you want to take a knee, take a knee. We got your back. I don't think that's going to be the case, but I hope it is. I know some of them are already saying that. And I think that there should be a day where every NFL player in the entire league takes a knee. It's not disrespectful to the flag, America. It's not disrespectful to our troops. Our troops are not fighting for you to respect a piece of cloth. Our troops are fighting for the rights that that cloth represents. The First Amendment, baby. I mean, if we're ever going to lose sight of our freedom to protest peacefully in this country, if we're ever going to lose sight of that, I mean, where, where are we as a nation? It's a slippery slope. Don't believe that this is just, a, you know, look, you could be annoyed that people are kneeling during the flag, during the anthem. That might annoy you. But it's a slippery slope. You stop letting people express themselves, especially, look, the Supreme Court has ruled time and time again, and believe me, even this court will rule if it ever gets to it. 
that political speech is the highest form of protected speech. Taking a knee during the anthem shouldn't be the end of the world. I mean, the first time I saw it, I didn't even know what it meant. Of course, that's the point. They want you to inquire. They want you to know, why is he kneeling? Why is he kneeling? And then you find out he's kneeling because far too many young black men in this country are being abused, are being mistreated, are being looked upon as criminals in America. I think that's worth taking a knee over. I do. I got no problem with it. That's their right. That is their right. And if you ever listen to them speak about it, if you ever listen to Colin Kaepernick or you listen to others who've been taking any, you listen to them speak about it and why they're doing it, you don't really feel as, you can't help but understand why they are. So the NFL, bad. Bad, 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 bad. Shame on you. I'm taking a knee next time I'm there. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. All right, let's talk a little bit before I got Amy coming in in about eight minutes. Before Amy gets in, I got to talk about North Korea. I might talk about this with Amy if she lets me. I mean, it's my show, but if she lets me. So North Korea. Today, the summit, the big uh, Nobel Prize worthy summit, the president was going to get a Nobel Prize, was canceled. Now, look, America. I'm happy it was canceled. Not because I don't think the president should have met with Kim Jong-un. I think he should. And I actually supported his decision to say, yeah, I'll meet with him. But I think over the past couple of weeks, the president has raised expectations so high that he was going to get a deal that was not going to be good. And the and I I think that Michael Bolton is to blame here. Let me let me try to explain why. And I know Michael Bolton. John Bolton. <laughs> Wrong Bolton. Michael Bolton was playing some cool jazz on his horn. I was literally just looking up Michael Bolton. On, you know, it's uh, John just, Bolton. You know, the guy who looks like a walrus. I was getting some YouTube clips of, oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no. The way no, you no. look tonight or something like that. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. John Bolton. I don't know Michael Bolton. I've never met him. I've listened to some of his smooth jazz. I do know John Bolton. I've been on TV with him many times. John Bolton wants to invade North Korea and John Bolton wants to invade Iraq. That's what John Bolton wants to do. Okay? I don't care how else you spin it. Watch his clips. Watch him on TV with me. Watch speeches he's given. Listen to him now. The man is a warmonger. Okay? He is a warmonger. He is the uh, perfect example of a neocon chicken hawk. Never served. Wants to send everybody else's kids into battle. Okay? John Bolton wanted to end the Iraq, the Iran deal. He wanted to end it. He wanted to shred it up. Now, he got his wish. The president shredded the Iran deal. The problem is that the Iran deal served as the perfect framework for a North Korea deal. It put the president in a box with North Korea. The president couldn't make a deal like the Iran deal because... Thanks to John Bolton, the Iran deal was shredded. 
The president had said he was going to shred it during the campaign, but he hadn't really read it. He probably still hasn't read it, even though he shred it. That rhymes. I know. I'm working on it. I'm no Eminem, but I'm, you know. But he shred it. So what is the president, where is the wiggle room with North Korea? The wiggle room was nowhere. It was full disarmament or nothing. Full disarmament or nothing. How is the president going to make that deal? And of course, the North Koreans said, look, we're not going to be completely capitulating in this deal. You got to give us something else. So no summit. No summit, no trip to Singapore, no Nobel Prize. Now, I'm wondering what he's going to do with that Nobel Prize display case that Mike Pence and Sean Hannity made for him. Like, what is he going to do with that? Is he going to carve it up? What is he going to do? Is he going to use it for firewood? What's he going to do with that? I mean, I watched the rallies where he was saying Nobel Prize, Nobel Prize. And he's like, everybody's saying I should get the Nobel Prize. Everybody says I should get the Nobel Prize. I mean, I don't say it, but everybody's saying I deserve the Nobel Prize. And let me tell you something. I said this too. If the president could bring a lasting peace to the Korean Peninsula and maybe even reunify the North and the South without battle, yeah, I'll give him a Nobel Prize for that. That doesn't mean he shouldn't get indicted if he was colluding with the Russians or impeached. But if he could do that, yeah, okay, I'm for it. I'm with you. But of course, like everything else this man touches, he goes too far without having the facts, without having a plan, without knowing how he's going to get it done without understanding the region, without understanding other nuclear disarmament deals that he just decides to toss aside at the same time, making the leader of North Korea a little bit concerned about giving up his nuclear weapons when the next administration might just, I don't know, shred up the deal. So here we are, once again, promises made, Promises not kept. It's a foreign policy disaster. And the president right now is sniping at Mike Pence. Now, America, a couple weeks ago, I was on, um, I guess it was Jeanine Pirro. I don't know where I was. I was on one of those shows. And I made the claim, and it got it went viral. I made the claim that the president will absolutely dump Mike Pence in 2020. And the reason I gave for him dumping him is that ratings would be better for the Republican National Convention if there was some suspense over who was going to be VP. And ratings overall would be better for them during the campaign if he could announce somebody cool, like Nikki Haley. President knows this. The president knows TV. It's what he knows best. And... It's funny because when I said it, everybody kind of said, no, no, no. But then they had a hard time arguing me on it because they know this man. Okay. He's fired just about every cabinet member, except for, you know, the ones who are super bad. EPA 
uh, director and the HUD secretary and the education secretary. He's fired them all. Why would he keep his VP for two terms? Think about that for a minute. Why would he keep Mike Pence? So, yeah, he's doing, he's blaming Mike Pence for something he said about total disarmament of North Korea. Uh, yeah, that's the goal, right? That's the John Bolton goal that they're all just repeating. You know, your new national security advisor, remember him? The guy with the weird mustache? Guy who looks like a walrus? The humorless walrus you have working as your national security advisor who's never been to war, never been in the army. Everything he knows about global conflict, he knows from reading in a book. That's your guy. You know, you replaced General McMasters who had experience and was competent with this guy who he has experience. Don't get me wrong, America. And he's competent, but he is evil and twisted. And his views of diplomacy, or there should be no diplomacy. Diplomacy is the other country capitulating to him. That's his view. So here we are. No North Korea deal and no Nobel Prize for you, Donald. I'm sorry, but I don't know. Maybe Amy Holmes will have something to say about that if I could get her to talk about it on the other side of this break. What do you think, Mike? Fingers crossed, right? Let's see what happens. All right. Uh, you're listening to the Chris Hodge Show. Keep it where it's at. Amy Holmes, other side of this break. I'll be right back. Chris Hahn Show. All right. Chris Hahn back with you. I'll take your calls in about a half an hour at 631-451-1039. Don't forget, you can tweet me at Christopher Hahn on Twitter, and you can watch me tomorrow night. 8 p.m. hour on the Fox News channel with Tucker Carlson. Uh, And you can watch me Monday night, 10 o'clock hour with uh, Laura Ingram. But joining me right now, one of my favorite conservative guests, probably one of my favorite guests, period. I shouldn't I shouldn't qualify it. Amy Holmes. She is the host of In Principle on PBS tomorrow night, Friday night, 830 p.m. So you got to DVR one of us, America. You know, take your pick. (laughs) We're both there. You can also see her on The Tick. And by the way, I just finished season two of The Tick, Amy, and I saw you in those episodes. I did. (laughs) What did you think? I love it. First of all, I'm starting to really like it. I I love the characters. I, I, I think the actors, all of the actors. I mean, I love the guy from Bad News Bears. What did you think about me as a fake news anchor on a superhero show? I I was discussing this with my producer earlier. I I love seeing you there, but it's like, oh, there's my friend Amy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Chris, I I tell people that, um, so I've done that show and some others where I, I, you know, play a fake news anchor or a fake journalist, you know, chasing down a character. Right. That I am gunning for an Emmy as fake news, best fake news anchor 
on a scripted series. I think you win. I give you. You get my vote. Think, I'm not a voting gonna, member of the Emmys, but okay. you would get my do vote. I, do you think that I can uh, go go toe to toe with Anderson and Wolf Blitzer when they do fake news anchoring? Well, they're or, not really know, acting. They're doing actor. a cameo. They're doing a cameo. You're acting. Well, I did a cameo. I did well both, but they're acting. You know, but. Anyway, I figured, you know what? If Christiana Mapur can be in disaster flicks, I can be on the tip. I, I did a uh, my one <laughs> legitimate acting credit on my IMDb page is a movie I did where I played a news anchor. So <laughs> <laughs> that is my one legit clip. It's a movie called Red Eye. It was a uh-huh. short and okay. I, I did it. And you mean the movie Red Eye? I was in a movie called Red Eye. Wow, that was like a real movie. Um, I don't know. It was it won some award at the Toronto Film Festival, but it, I don't think it was ever really widely released. I don't. I don't really know. I mean, it was. Oh, I, I seen her call. Maybe it was. Maybe that's a different. I did a TV show called isn't Red that, Eye. Isn't that? Isn't, no, the movie wasn't that um, like a, a terrorist hostage. No, no, flight? it was a. This guy decides to go to Mars. Red Eye. <laughs> And uh, the red planet. Okay. Yeah, it was like that kind of red eye. And then, by the way, it's funny because I'm also was a regular on the very popular Fox News sure. cult hit called Red Eye. I used to do it every yeah. two weeks, um, and I still do the Tom Shalou radio show. And uh-huh. for some reason, Greg Gutfield yeah. doesn't have me on his TV show, but I don't understand why I'm on every other TV show on Fox. That's the one I most belong on, uh-huh. and I'm not on it. Yeah. So, Amy, well, it's been a while since yeah. we talked. How's the show it going? It's been such a fabulous extraordinary experience we've gotten to interview so many fascinating news mem- uh, newsmakers we interviewed uh 43 george bush jr the morning after his mom passed away wow actually. uh you know we had the interview planned all set up to go in dallas and then his mom passed away the night before and we thought for sure he would have to cancel and you know what he kept his appointment with us 8 a.m and um we were only the second and of only two news crews to to interview him right. on camera. That was really, you know, a poignant um, and extraordinary moment as a journalist. Uh, we've also, we also interviewed Bill Gates, where he joked with us about when he did congressional testimony. Well, but he said he felt for Mark Zuckerberg watching him give congressional testimony in, uh, up on right. Capitol Hill. And I said, because you've been there, you know what it feels like? He's like, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And... And he said, and you never know when the senators are asking you questions that you know are technically incorrect and in error, whether or not you should correct them or not. Right. And I said, well, what did you do? And he said, I corrected them. <laughs> I first got laughing, and he's like, but I think Mark probably handled it better than I did. I thought Zuckerberg um, was fine in that testimony. I also thought the senators didn't know what they were talking about 90% of the time. All of them. Yeah, I, I didn't watch because it was just, like, way too boring to me. Um, what else? We interviewed just last week. We talked with Don Rumsfeld, and he shared his insights about North Korea. And he warns, he warns that, you know, this could, quote-unquote, no, you know, uh, metaphor, metaphorically blow up in the president's face. He thought, listen, any progress is good, but when you're dealing with Kim Jong-un, of right. course, it's going to be uh, a roll of the dice there. And he also said that, you know, in his experience as former, you know, defense secretary twice, and he was also chief of staff to Gerald Ford, that what he would be curious to know in this are the people around Kim Jong-un. Who, you know, who is in that small circle, that cadre, and what would that tell you about how they might be pressuring, you know, dear leader right. in one direction or the other? And I sort of joked with him. I'm like, well, who's left? 
Right. After all the assassinations. Right. <laughs> uh, so that was really interesting. Um, he also, I asked him what he thought about, uh, you know, James Comey, James Clapper, and um, uh, Mr. Brennan, John Brennan, being such public vocal critics of our current president and administration, considering that the Bushies, with the exception of Dick Cheney, were pretty discreet, including Don Rumsfeld. Right. In terms of the Obama administration. And he said he thinks that. You know, he was very diplomatic. He said he thinks it's not constructive huh. uh, insofar as if you want to influence this president and this administration and you want to keep that door open, this public scorched earth campaign is just going to have the door slammed in your but face. But don't and you so think, him, though, that people are... Him, so why do you think they're doing it? And he said, frankly, because they want to tarnish this administration and, um, you know, tarnish this president. They're not well, actually attempting to you know, redirect or influence um, public public policy or, you know, our approaches to these Well, things. maybe they also fear that this president is destroying institutions. I mean, it doesn't it appear to you that he is? I mean, I mean, some of the stuff uh, this guy say, is... You know, you and I, will, I'm sure have it, we'll have a heated disagreement about this. I think that those three men are destroying those institutions. Well, what about him? Very what about the president? What about the president himself? He's not destroying the, the CIA when he asks them, so just when did you start spying on my campaign? Well, they when weren't spying start? on his campaign. They were well, spying on Russians. They no, were spying on the Russians who happened to be working on his campaign. So I mean, there were no l- Russians working on the Donald the Trump. Russians had infiltrated there his campaign. No, no, they infiltrated no, his campaign the day no, they hired Paul no. Manafort. That's my well, opinion. Th- well, so here's what's interesting, Chris Hahn, about that <laughs> is that the both the FBI and the CIA and the DNI have given very conflicting testimonies about when their you know their investigation of the Trump Russia quote unquote collusion when that started. And Andrew McCarthy, he writes over at National Review, I'm sure you've read his column, former prosecutor of the first World Trade bombings yep. in 1993. He said, if you start, if you, you know, got to take a fine-tooth comb through all those text messages between Lisa Strzok and uh, Lisa Page and, P- and Peter Strzok, you got to go through all of these papers, which he has done, and he finds that, in fact, only days after the campaign announced Manafort, and Carter Page, that Comey got together with other intelligence officials to, quote-unquote, debrief the White House about these people, discuss whether or not they wanted to, you know, inform the Trump campaign. And this is long before Trump got the nomination, by the way. This would have been in March. And yet, uh, publicly, they told us, oh, we only started it after the trip to uh, Moscow by Carter Page in July. Well, we I mean, you're like you're that, you're that, you're like you're, you're splitting hairs. You're splitting no, hairs. They, no, I'm saying they're splitting hairs, which is that date keeps moving further and further up that we see that we had uh, our you know national Amy, surveillance. Amy, Amy, let me ask you this question. Let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. You don't want to be sticking the FBI on campaign. I don't. But let me ask you this question. Do you think that Paul Manafort? was under the influence of a foreign power. While he was working for President Trump? I think even till this day. Well, I don't know about to this day. I don't know enough about it. I know that when he was announced 
to be the campaign manager that a lot of Republican and Democratic operatives said, whoa, that guy has made a lot of dirty money all around the world. Right. Assisting, assisting other campaigns, which you know as well as I do, Chris, that uh, campaign operatives on both sides of the aisle love to do. Well, wow. After they've gotten the president elected, they go and get hired. Okay, but this guy had been, let me let me just do my, my little thing here. <laughs> he had been and out. And not forget the Podesta group is out of business. He'd been out of power. He's been out of politics since the 80s, right? His last campaign was 1988. He'd been making money all around the world. He, uh, out of nowhere. Like operatives on both sides. Hold on, I'm not talking about operatives on both sides. I'm talking about Paul Manafort, Okay. Mm-hmm. Nobody else, and this president, because nobody else is president right now. Paul Manafort made his money all around the world. Then he goes to the Trump out of the blue and says, I'll work for you for free. Now, why would he do that? Well, I think that he wanted to be associated with a billionaire real estate developer, like many people who joined the campaign, because whether the president, you know, whether President Trump won or not, he'd have a pretty cush connection. You don't uh, think that there's anything to do with his Russian oligarch backers putting him over there? Encouraging to go do that? Very conspiratorial, and let's not forget. It's look. It's not really conspiratorial. There is. I think it's conspiratorial. There is a there is a huge indictment that says the guy's done conspiracy against the United States of America. By the way, hold on a minute. I'm talking to Amy Holmes. Amy Holmes is the host of In Principle on PBS Friday night, eight thirty. She's got a special guest tomorrow. Uh, a good friend of mine, actually, Gretchen Carlson, who I used to see uh, a lot in the morning uh, back in my Fox News contributor days. Even though I'm still at Fox yeah. News, I don't go there in the morning anymore. Uh, and, and, good for uh, you. And I'm not Fo- waking up for that. I'm not waking up for Fox and Friends, even though it's the president's <laughs> favorite show. I'm on the president's <laughs> second favorite show, The Justice with Judge Jeanine Pirro. That's enough. Fabulous. Uh, uh, so, uh, but uh, I used to do, do it a lot with Gretchen. Love Gretchen. Good person. Mm-hmm. Former Miss America. Uh, really can be credited in some respect, with starting the Me Too movement. You interviewed her, and and she's going to be on the show tomorrow, right? Yeah, and I would love to talk about that. so for the PBS show on tomorrow night, 8.30, please tune in. In principle, Mike Gerson, my co-host and I, we did, uh, you know, the, the, tomorrow night is devoted to the subject of Me Too and the Me Too movement. And we were fortunate to get Gretchen Carlson to travel to Washington, D.C. to sit and discuss with us, you know, being a, a very brave, courageous woman to come forward as one of the first, I think she was the very first woman. First big time, that's for sure. The two to openly, publicly accuse and share, you could say accuse, and also share her experience of sexual harassment at the hands, literally, of the president of the Fox News Channel, the late Roger Ailes. And I think, you know, Chris, you've been with Fox for years and years. I think a lot of people forget just how formidable, frightening, intimidating, and powerful Roger Ailes was. Not just as at Fox, but in the news. Yeah, business. I mean, he was a force so, in nature. He was a force to be reckoned with. And yeah. he was also he was also vindictive. And I knew from people that you know worked for him as executives, and then it came out in subsequent reporting after Gretchen Carlson's uh, you know initial report. He would hire private investigators to follow his you know quote unquote enemies, both at the organization and in the news business, to get dig up dirt on them. Uh, you know, either to blackmail them or to keep them, you know, silent. Right. That's what Roger Ailes would do. And I will, you know, relate a story. I think it's the first time I've ever, 
actually said this in public, and I don't know who's listening, but they will be hearing me say, uh, on one occasion, um, I was in the office with him and his one of his vice presidents, and you know we were discussing whether or not I would be coming to work at Fox, and he just sort of said as an aside to his vice president, oh, you know, uh, Joe uh, from Morning Joe, uh, Joe was just in my office some weeks ago. He's like, did you see that Joe was uh, attacking Fox News and attacking me and attacking the organization? Uh, go, you know, give Page Six a call. Call Richard Johnson over there. I don't remember if it was Richard Johnson specifically, but call up Page Six and let them know that Joe was just in my office six weeks ago begging for a job over here, begging. Wow. And I turned him down. He said that in front of me. Wow. Now, I didn't know if that was a tactic to intimidate me, if he just wasn't paying attention that he was saying this in front of me, but I will never forget it. Wow. That he was right there in front of my face doing a little bit of dirty business to, uh, you know, to hurt someone that he thought had hurt him. Wow. And this is this is the type of thing he was doing all the time. So, again, when we look at the Me Too movement, Harvey Weinstein... Um, among others, and including Roger Ailes, among others. There, I, I was so frustrated when I heard fellow conservatives and, and even feminist conservatives attacking the Gretchen Carlson mm. and the Nicole Kidmans and the Gwyneth Paltrow's and the Uma Thurman's right. and the Meg, Megan Kelly's. Why didn't you come out sooner? Right. Why, why is it only, you know, now that you're rich and famous, now that other women have come out before you, you know, you weren't, you know, why didn't you do this before? And I think what people don't understand was it doesn't matter if you were rich and famous. That person, and we, and as we found out, Harvey Weinstein hired agents from the Mossad right. to spy on people and compile dossiers. Right. When I talk about dossiers, this is what these men were doing. And as I said on the Today Show with Megyn Kelly, I, said, I don't think people understand in the news business and the entertainment business, which, as we know, have become one and the same in many yeah. ways. But in the media, you are never A-list forever. You're never on top forever. Absolutely. It's a very precarious position. Tell me about it. So you don't want to, you know, you are always vulnerable to the executive who is going to make the decision about your future and right. your career. Not only that, you have these vindictive people who have literally hired spies and have a folder on you that if you say a word about their behavior, whether it's towards yourself or someone else, the next thing you know, you're reading about yourself on page six about, oh, I don't know, you know, the uh, extramarital affair you had or, you know, you know, snorting coke in uh, Cabo in a threesome and ending up having an abortion with some doctor in Mexico. Like, you have no idea. Now, if you could tell me who you're talking about there, I get real news ratings right. on this That'd thing. That would be really interesting. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Which is that you will get dra dragged through the mud. Also, members of your family. Uh, that these people are ruthless, and they will destroy you. So there is never a time when, as these, the critics of Gretchen and others were saying, that they were safe, and that they were safe to come out and right. uh, tell their story and tell what happened to them. And that's why so many women said, oh, my goodness, if I step forward, I'm going to be smashed. Right. You know, I'm going to be pummeled into the ground by these people. i got to tell you. And, I, I hear all these stories about Roger and other people over there, and I say they yeah. must really not have trusted me because they were no never nothing but nice to me. <laughs> it was like... You mean the women never told you? The Well, the women 
the women you would never always heard any rumors. I, I heard rumors. Oh my God, I know all about it. I heard some rumors, right? And usually mm-hmm. from like the green room people and the sound guys. Yeah. But I I never like like I had meetings with Roger Ailes. I had meetings with other executives over there. Nothing but nice. Never heard well, never certainly to you, but Chris, again that goes to my point. They didn't trust me. They didn't trust the Democrat. You know, they didn't trust the liberal over no, there. No, I don't think it's that. I think, I think I think it's more than that. It's different than that, which is for you know for so many women, whether it's the beginning of your career or the middle or what you fear might even be the end. You don't want to be the troublemaker who right. can't be hired. Right. You don't want to have your name in bold print in page six because these executives dug up dirt on you. Right. You don't want your family put through that. Right. You don't want that to become your reputation. So, you know, first, I'll give you another example. Um, a friend of mine was harassed by Mark Halpert. And, you know, Mark, of course, was exposed, um, this, you know, through the Me Too movement for his behavior, a behavior that I knew about for years. Right. Hi, sorry. And, sorry, I'm just getting a delivery from Amazon Fresh as we're talking nice. on the radio. <laughs> Very nice. Thanks, fellas. Guys, um, she just did a free commercial. I want some money from Amazon. <laughs> Can we get some of that Amazon but, money over here? But right. Order up. Right. I'll give you an example. So Mark Halperin, he was a political analyst for MSNBC. Yep. Uh, very, you know, well-known, wrote these uh, New York Times bestsellers on the campaigns. HBO was making a movie. All of this, you know, very, very high-profile guy. Yep. I happen to know of multiple women who had been sexually harassed by him, including one of one of my closest friends. When the first story came out, I knew the journalist who had written it because he and I actually worked at the Blaze together. And I told him, "I was like, you're on the right track." And my friend um, asked me, "She's like, should I talk to this reporter?" And I said, "I don't know if that's a good idea." You've been out of politics a long, long time. You have a new business that you're just starting. Right. You know, with very high-profile clients that has nothing to do with politics or media whatsoever. Uh, I don't know. And she's not a public person. And I told her, maybe you can talk off the record. Maybe you can talk on background. Give some breadcrumbs so the journalist, you know, sort of gets a fuller picture and some better understanding. Hmm. As, but I told her. I said, look, you're a private person. You are a wife and a mother of two and a small business owner growing a business that you want to have a public profile. You want to become well-known. So you got to wrap it. I got 30 seconds. Oh. <laughs> and I said, but if you go public with this, that'll be the Google search on you. Yeah. After page after page. Well, Amy, you got to watch In Principle Friday night, 830. Please. Thank you for letting me talk DVR, about DVR me and watch her. That's what I'm telling you, America. I mean, I hope uh, that this was D- interesting. DVR me and watch her. Amy Holmes, at Amy Holmes on Twitter, one of my favorite guests. Even though Thank I disagree you with you, Amy, you know I love you. All right, I'll be back Thank taking you. your calls. Other side of the break, 631-451-1039. You're listening to The Chris Hahn Show, and I'll be right back.
conservatives crazy since the day he was born. The Chris Hahn Show. All right, I'm back, and I am taking your calls at 631-451-1039. That's right, it's 631-451-1039 is my number if you want to get into the national conversation. Pick up the phone and give me a call, 631-451-1039. Don't forget, tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, I'll be on Tucker. And Tuesday night at 10 o'clock, I will be on Ingram. Be back on Judge Jeannie next week. I'm not on this Saturday night. Uh, Memorial Day weekend, going to do a little barbecue and a little soccer tournaments. Uh, I don't know, maybe go swimming. I'm going to do something. Not going to be on TV, though. Is the pool open? Pool is open. Ready solar heaters should be on tomorrow. I don't know. All right. We got some things going on, and it's uh, we're ready to rock. It's blue. It's not green anymore. <laughs> That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. It takes a while for that to turn. It you did know? take a while. My wife's like, "Are you sure they tested the chemicals right?" I'm like, "Yes." No, it's it's it's, it's fickle with those uh those Lupac covers. Yes. You know, all the, the the air gets into it, and the mold, the, the algae, and all that stuff. So I got a salt filter, so it's like very. It doesn't. It just. You know, Indeed. it, it, it takes, takes a minute. Wash it. You yeah. got to do it. It's got to go through. It's got to generate the salt. It's got to get yeah. everything going. It's it's now it's beautiful. Uh, I love having the pool open. I love having it on. It's a good thing. But, uh, you know, look, America. We have to start really paying attention to what's going on. I, I get I, I you know, I first of all, I love the Amy segment, but I'm sorry, Amy. Uh, I don't agree with you about. Paul Manafort, I don't agree. I mean, and and Rick Gates and and Mike Flynn, like all these guys, had major foreign entanglements, and they were with the president. Flynn and Gates stayed with them. I mean, Flynn was appointed national security advisor. Gates was with them through the transition. Manafort, they said, oh well, Manafort was only there for a short time. Okay, well, Manafort had a very big role, and he brought Gates in. Gates was Manafort's guy. You know, you say, I got a guy, I got a guy. Gates was Manafort's guy. And they were bad guys. They did a lot of bad things to make money before they got to Donald Trump. Now, that doesn't mean that this goes all the way up to Donald Trump, but it doesn't look good for Donald Trump, does it? All of these people with all of these foreign ties doing all of these things and staying with the president and the president insisting on changing the narrative every single day of attacking the people charged with getting to the truth. I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if the truth is going to survive. I don't know if the country would believe the truth if the truth was out there. Everybody wants to choose their own facts today, America. Everybody wants to choose their own facts. Everybody wants to choose their own truth. They want to find facts that fits their truths. And I got to tell you, I'm out here begging you every single day to seek the truth, America. I'm out here begging you to find the facts and to find the truth and to get to the bottom of it. Every single day, I ask for that when I'm on on this air. I try to find people who want to seek the truth. 
I try to encourage you to seek the truth. But when the truth is presented to you, will you believe it? Will you even know it when you see it? That's the problem we have right now in this country. We have a man that is so distorting the facts every single day from the biggest podium in the world. I mean, I could say whatever I want. Nobody cares. There aren't going to be millions of hours spent on television and radio talking about what I said on television and radio. All the president has to do is tweet out whatever he wants. And then there are five experts talking about it on the news all day. All day. That becomes the story. Oh, the president claims that the, the, the moon is, uh, is yellow and it's made out of uh, sponge cake. So we'll have a sponge cake expert, an astronomer, and it'll be a big debate. Well, maybe it is. Where does that leave us as a country? Where does that leave us as a country? If we can't all have the same set of facts to debate uh, over. We are now, you know, used to be, there were two parties who had different ideas. They had different ideas about how to run this country or about how to run a state or a city, or a town. They had different ideas. They didn't have different facts. They didn't, one party didn't make up facts. And I'm sorry, America, it's the right wing that's making up facts. They make it up every single day. They do not play fair. They believe they are called by God to govern. And they will do whatever it takes to govern. They will lie. They will cheat. They will steal. They will align themselves with our deepest enemies. They will do whatever it takes to win. That is dangerous, scary stuff. And you know, it's only in the end when they're retiring that they grow a spine. Uh, Senator Flake spoke to Harvard Law School earlier in the week and he gave a blistering review of the president. A review so blistering that if it was any other president, America, if he had given this review of Barack Obama who is of a different party than him, it would be all we talked about for months and months and months and months. He gave a blistering review about the president in his own party. And we're not talking about it. Was talked about for one day. Why? Because the president just decides he's going to say something. We're going to change the North Korea thing. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And that's it. We all start talking about that. The funny thing is, is that the only person who has been consistent in his onslaught of Donald Trump is Michael Avenatti. Stormy Daniels lawyer. The lawyer for a porn star. Now, you know, Michael Avenatti is a good lawyer. Don't get me wrong. He's a good lawyer and he seems to have a good client. This is a small time case that the president should have settled a long time ago. Instead, this guy is keeping the pressure on the president. And I, for one, I believe that Michael Avenatti we'll get to question the president in a in a uh, in a deposition before Robert Mueller does cuz i think that the justice department's growing spineless when it comes to this president 
And I am very much afraid that they are going to shut down the Mueller investigation very soon. I, I don't understand why. I don't know why. I don't even want to speculate as to why. But it is very, very clear to me that by the actions of Rod Rosenstein this week alone, granting that in-person examination of the evidence around uh, what the president was calling Spygate, which I will not call it that. You know, the informant that brushed up against the spies that the Russians had planted in the Trump campaign, there were spies, America, in the Trump campaign. They were not put there by the FBI. They were put there by the Russians. And maybe those guys didn't know they were spies, but it doesn't matter. It's still treason. They were still spies. But you see this action this week, it's got to scare you. I mean, and originally they were only going to let Republicans see that information. They weren't going to let any Democrats at all see it. And then they decided that the Gang of Eight could see it. I mean, I've debated this time and time again on Fox about the release of documents. I'm all for the release of documents. I think we have far too many secret documents in this country. I've said this time and time again. But it's kind of funny that the president of the United States, who could declassify any piece of paper he wants, ever, he could declassify any piece of paper he wants, will call on his own Justice Department to declassify things. Now, America... The president can declassify whatever he wants at any moment. He doesn't need the Justice Department to do it for him. He could just do it. And, you know, let's say Mark Meadows and the stupid Freedom Caucus decides that they want to call on the Justice Department to declassify something. Well, they don't have to respond to you. They could actually say, we have reasons not to declassify this. Now, what Congress could do is they could take a vote to declassify things. And the Republicans have control of Congress. Take a vote. Declassify. You win. They didn't have the votes. The president, for some reason, didn't want to use his own authority to declassify these documents. So he did this kind of in-between, show some people with clearance kind of thing. Let them go back and talk about it. I, I find it despicable. I find it disgusting. I find it... I find it incredibly, incredibly troubling. Bumbling, if you will. And of course, the president didn't show any respect to Rod Rosenstein. He didn't say he has any faith in Rod Rosenstein. Of course, when he was on Long Island earlier in the week, Rod Rosenstein was there. The president gave him a smack on the back. Like, hey, man, how you doing? <laughs> you know, like, like they're, like they're competing against each other, like in a in a in a softball game. And Rod Rosenstein's just a pitcher of the other team. You know, ah, good game, man. That was what it looked like to me. So I am like, uh, I am blown away by this whole thing. I I don't even know what to make of it anymore. I'm hoping that we survive it. I mean, we've survived some pretty bad things in this country. We survived the Civil War, depressions where we could have gone in a variety of different directions. We survived Nixon. But I got to tell you, this feels worse than Nixon to me. It feels worse than Nixon. I mean, Watergate, 
I mean, Nixon had a criminal enterprise going too, guys. I mean, it's Nixon was a bad dude. He was a bad hombre. But there is some stuff here. And I just don't think the institutions are equipped at this point to deal with it. And it's troubling me. It's worrying me. It's troubling me in a very major, major way, America. It's troubling me to the core. It's keeping me up nights. And it is something you should be thinking about. All right, Mike, enough about politics. Let's talk, let's talk about your show. I mean, you just did your show this weekend. First time I heard the, I heard time. the, I heard the ratings were huge. huge. There were huge ratings. You had the best people listening to your show. They were huge. So the best part about the whole thing is um, they kind of messed it up. What? Yeah, so it's- Who was producing the show? It was supposed to go on at 7.30. So they said they threw in the logs and all that stuff. The first half didn't play. They, you know, the, the logs reset themselves. <laughs> so the first half of my show didn't play. I was like, excuse me, I have like 50 people, you know, had a listening party. You had you your know? mom on, Basically, you had your cousins. Everyone ready to go, you know. <laughs> I had a bottle of champagne ready to pop. And I, I was like, what the? You know? You're like that girl on, uh, do you watch that show on Showtime? Um I'm dying up here about the stand-up comics. I've seen a couple of scenes. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Yeah, yeah skip for the, about to yeah, watch. Yes, yes, the, you know, yes, Big yes, premiere, yes, make yes. her a big star. And then, oh my God, there's a tornado in Oklahoma. So, uh, the whole thing, so the, the, I called up real quick and I, I actually went in the logs myself and changed it myself, you know, to, uh, you know, to fix it. So, the second half played and, uh, you know, it went really well. You know, at least the interviews that I did, well, you know, went well. And then um, they replayed it uh, Monday night and last night. Who'd you have on? I had uh, one of my sponsors. Uh, he's a, he owns a clothing company called Life to Long Island. Okay. Name's Ralphie. Uh, just everything about Long Island. The Long Island brand is, you know, right, really right. cool. And then I had a talent scout on uh, this girl, Tiffany Castillo. Tiffany Castillo. Why do I know that name? I don't know. Hmm. Did so, she used to have a show here? No, no, no. 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 She's, just, she, she's younger. She's just getting into the business. So she's uh, Got it. in development and all that stuff. Right. Who is she in development for? So she just, she, she just has, she has, she started off being a choreographer. Right, and then just met met artists and all that stuff. So she's getting me a couple of new artists that are coming up and all that thing. That's good. So, so yeah, so it's gonna bring talent to the show, and uh, you know everything helps itself. So out. what was the main topic of the show? What was the uh, basically was the, 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 the main theme was just just introducing us and what we're gonna talk about for the summer and right. you know, how, how we're gonna do the driving from the Hamptons. So we're gonna yeah. bring music and all that stuff. So I'm stoked about the you know the, the slot. You yeah, know, it's a great so. slot. That's, that's where I started. Yeah, no, Chris Hancho started hey, in the uh, it's, Hamptons it's, it's, drive it's all time this. before I was in on Thursday nights <laughs> doing uh, you know. Doing Doing huge numbers on Thursday nights. Yes, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so that went really well, and you know, I'm excited. We uh, we got another show coming up uh, Sunday. Yep. With uh, my buddy Jerry Robinson. Um, he's a he's he's a good dude. He's been playing a couple. So he played Mega Jam with us last year okay. uh, at the theater. So he's uh, I've known him for years. You know, I started making music with him back in the day. When wow. He, you make I didn't know you make music. Yeah. You know, I, I tell you're to. just like a talk show host uh, DJ. I do everything. So um, <laughs> I don't actually DJ, but you know, I produce music. I know how to use a right. I, I have a computer, so I know how to. Do oh, you know how to do it. So I mean, what yeah. you're saying is, if I want new bumpers, I don't need to call the other Chris. No. I could just I could call you. You could I, do I, it. I could I could do. You could put yeah. together a bumper or two for me. Uh-huh. Why haven't What's going on? You haven't asked. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta ask. (laughs) So I bet you the bumpers on the Biddleman show are awesome. Actually, they're pretty cool. They're probably like crazy (laughs) good bumpers. I just got these. You know, let's see. Let's see if I have the Chris Hodge show Um, (laughs) coming at you, DJ. This is something made up. So I do do a good clip called uh, "The Most Important Stories That Nobody Should Care About." Nice. And now, the most important stories that no one should ever care about. You're your own voiceover guy yeah, on your own show. <laughs> Do you want me to be your voiceover guy? So I put Ladies the- and gentlemen, 
the Biddleman Show. Exactly. So um, <laughs> I don't have I don't have a voiceover guy like that yet. I'm stuck actually writing my own theme song. Right. So it's gonna so be the company hilarious. hasn't invested in you like they have in me. Not yet. They paid the guy to do my day, voiceover. One day. One day you're gonna get the big voice, man. That guy's got a big voice. Oh, yeah. he's. I, I wish I had his voice. I, I've been trying to get his voice for so long. Ladies and gentlemen, it, it's like in a world. In a world. <laughs> Everything he says sounds important to me. It really does. So. Very very important. Hopefully one day you know you know once I once I start bringing some money into the show and start giving them some more money and I'm sure yeah. they'll reinvest it back so in So what is the place to go to see new music on Long Island now? You know, honestly, the summertime's open. So honestly, every Sunday, Jones Beach, they, you know, they play great music. You know, they were a local band. You know, Where? Every, at the, not, at the, not at the big, but at the, the band show. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, that place is, um, you know, I go to 89 North a lot. Right. Um, in uh, Patchogue. I go to Revolution in Amityville. You know, every week there they have something new every week. Oh, nice. Week. Revolution's one of those old theaters they redid. Yeah. So, How about you know, the place in Westbury? Have you hit that place yet? The, the, the spot or what do they call it? The scene? No, I haven't been there yet. No. I, yeah. You know, but those are those are my two places because, you know, I've been there a lot and it's it's it's, it's perfect for what, what I want or what I need to do. Right. You know, it's small enough so it's intimate, but you can still pack in right. like 300, 400. Is it all types there. of music or is it what's the type all of music? All types. Yeah. It's everything. But, you know, on the same ticket, you know, they'll have, you know, they'll have rappers, they'll have bands, you know, they'll have a pop girl, you know. Right. Just to, just to get people in the door. So. Right. I used to go to a place called Sundance. Okay. Uh, in um, it was in Bayshore. All right, and it was like you know, Zebra would play there, and they'd come on at like two o'clock in the morning, and I was like fifteen. <laughs> nice. And I would sleep at my grandma. I told my mom, I'm sleeping at my grandmother's house. And my grandmother would never know when I came home. And she'd go to bed at like 7 o'clock. So, uh, you know, and, it would be, and I would go to Sundance to see Zebra or see some other band. One night we thought the Rolling Stones were going to be there. There was a rumor. The Rolling Stones I were going to They were those. going back on I tour. And there was a rumor they were going to play there. We all, the place was jam-packed. And my friend's band was playing there. His band was called the Freestyle Boogie Flickers. I like that. Freestyle Boogie Flickers. <laughs> it, was, it was a pretty, uh, pretty good time. Uh, but they... The, the Stones did not show up. We waited. They didn't show up. That's great. So on other news, so, you know, it comes out tonight. Solo. I'm going. You go I'm going. And literally, immediately following this broadcast, uh, I'll you, be seeing Solo. Immediately following this broadcast. It looks really good, actually. I, I can't I'm, I'm wait. I'm really excited to see it. You I, know? I, I absolutely can't wait. I, I, a lot of people panned it. But, you know, here's the way I see it. Any time I could spend in the Star Wars universe it's, is time well spent. 100%. You know? It really is. Um, I came to see Donald Glover play Lando. Yeah, me I'm too. Stoked for that. He, and you know, even Lando, Lando gave him his blessing and all that right. stuff. So right, right. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be, cool. be a good movie. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, you know, the question is whether or not I eat popcorn or not. I've been, I've been carb free for like two weeks. Really? And I've been doing well. And uh, but I have a hard time going to the movies without popcorn, man. I just it's it's one of those things that you you first of all you eat it all before the preview starts. Yeah. Any, well, I'm getting there like right when but the show still, starts. So, I have a friend know. saving a seat for. Actually, we got reserved seats. Uh, at this theater we're going to and and I, I've got a friend meet me there and I'm getting there like you know the movie starts, starts I'm going to yeah. sit down and the previews are going to start there you go so it's going to be uh, it is a uh, it is a real um I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> I don't know what the story is going to be. You got to text me. Tell me you'll be, give me thumbs up and thumbs down. Oh, and by the way, Woody Harrelson. I don't think I've ever seen him in a bad movie. Have you? I watched The Planet of the Apes this weekend. Last okay. weekend, the yeah. one he was in. Oh, how was it? Fantastic. Really? I I mean, that's the only one I didn't see, the new the, one. The new one. It, it was fantastic. First of all, I love the Planet of Apes movies. I loved them when I was a kid. Yeah. But I think Woody Harrelson is such an underrated actor. I think he's a really, I think he's a tremendous actor. Because I think everyone still picks him as, uh, what's his face on Cheers? Yeah, Woody. Yeah, <laughs> Woody. Woody. Yeah, he's Woody. Because his name was Woody, and he's Woody. It's a, but he is a underrated actor. He's in this movie. I'm interested to see what he's doing in this movie. Right. You know, I'm he looks like he's like kind of the leader of the group. You know, yeah. Like, kind of gets is, me into the whole, you know. Is he like hand? 
friends. The badassery. Is you know? he like his mentor? Is he the right. guy who makes Han who Han is? Han, you know, I'm, I am, you know, I'm, I am, obviously is the name Chris Han. My, I've been Han Solo my whole life. Exactly. So this exactly. is my movie. How can I not go see it? I can't believe anything. I didn't think of that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's my improv you. nickname. Anybody who comes see me now on Friday Night Face Off, you know, I'm, I'm Chris Han Solo. It's my nickname. It's there been my go. nickname since I was eight. So, all right, Mike. Uh, well, don't forget to catch the Billman Show this Saturday night. Sunday. Sunday, Sunday night Sunday. at 7.30 p.m. on your Hamptons Drive, although people will be driving home on Monday this go. week. But yep. i got to remind you all to seek the truth. Question everything. Question everyone. Even me. Seek the truth, America. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening, America. If we all light up, we can scare away the dark. Wish our weekdays away, spend our weekends in bed. We drink ourselves stupid.